Medic! Welcome back, everyone, to the Medic Up podcast. We took a break there for a minute, a hiatus, if you will, just over 365 days since the last episode was posted. But guess what? We're back. I'd like to take a second to thank all the local boys and girls who, over the past year, have diligently asked, when are you going to post another episode? Thanks also to the messages via text and social media I've gotten as well, asking the same thing. Thank you all for your support, encouragement, and most of all, your patience. So if you've just been filling the hours, listening to other podcasts over the last year, just waiting with bated breath for the next episode of Medic Up to show up on your podcast app, well, you don't have to wait any longer because here it is. My good friend, James Clardy, is sitting across from me today, and I've been waiting a long time for this to happen. We planned this over a year ago, but you know how it goes. People get busy, life gets in the way, and before you know it, it's a year later. But here we are, and this is happening now. I struggled with a theme for the episode, but deep down, I think I knew where we would end up. So this is just two medics talking, just like what happens when you put two medics in a station, a post, an ambulance, the squad. They start shooting the shit telling war stories, reminiscing about how it used to be, how they came up, and what keeps them going. That, my friends, is this episode. There are a lot of names used in this episode. So many, in fact, that probably needed to get release forms signed. And I kind of wimped out and edited out a few of the last names, only because I really didn't know how each person would react to hearing their name uh, on the air. This is just two medics talking, talking about people, the past, the future, the good, the bad coming up in the job, where the job is going. We're going to talk about Clardy's game balls and a few other things that crossed our minds. We talked a total of about two and a half hours, so I have to split this episode. It's going to definitely be a two-parter. So here it is, part one. Two medics talking about starting out, coming up, game balls, and Clardy's dad calls the Pope. Just a quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed on the Medic Up podcast are those of the individual hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts or guests' employers. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything anywhere. I hope you guys like it. So, oh, can I... I usually don't say people's last names, but everybody knows you as yeah, your um, last, last name, name, James Clardy, or Clardy is here. Here after the last episode, I got him. Although I was going through notes, I wrote these notes a year ago, over a year ago, and I was, since you're pig-headed, like me, you didn't do anything I asked you, and say, maybe give me a little bio, maybe give me a little idea what you want to talk about. So now tell us uh, a little bit about uh, James Clardy, or Clardy. <laughs> Sorry about not writing the, the bio. I was busy writing Dear Chief letters for all the stuff that I've done <laughs> wrong in the past year. Uh, I don't know. What do you want to know about me, man? I'm, so, uh, I'm, like, you know, where, where did you tell me about you? I mean, I'll, all right, I'll, I'll help you. I affectionately refer to you as the Parapyro Pig. Um, because you've done every facet of public safety, including the military. Um, start there. How did where did uh, tell me about where did it start? Yeah, I am. I'm the trifecta. I like trifecta. to call it the trifecta. Um, yeah, my dad told me that as long as I worked for the government in some fashion or form, that I would always have a paycheck and and some insurance, and that was always more important than anything else. So. 
You know, started as as a as a young jarhead marine and went from there, got out of the Marine Corps. Nothing nothing special in my Marine Corps career, uh my short Marine Corps career. I was uh, I could do a lot of push-ups. The dumber you were, the more push-ups you could do because you always stayed in trouble. And I, I don't know if this may be a surprise to a lot of people, but I have a hard time not running my mouth about shit. So, uh, and that didn't like start later in life. That started pretty early. Uh, so the Marine Corps, you know, taught me a, a good base and and you taught me a lot about life and how to chase women and drink a lot of booze and. And stuff. And when I got out, my parents were in uh, in Texas, and all I wanted to do, my dad was a cop, uh, a federal agent, a border patrol agent, and that's all I grew up around. I never, I thought that was like normal life was guys that would come over after a midnight to eight shift, and where there was, you know, a shooting or a chase or a fight, and they came over and they played poker and they drank, and 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 uh, the funniest story out of that is I came home one day they'd had a shooting that night and. I came in from school and a bunch of Border Patrol agents sitting around, you know, my dining room table. Boy, my mom was really pissed about this one. And they're on the phone, uh, and one guy saying, no, really, I want to speak to the goddamn Pope. <laughs> so we all kind of thought they were joking because I told mom, I said, hey, I think they called the Vatican. And she's like, no, they didn't call the Vatican. And then the phone bill came in, and there was a $90 phone bill to the Vatican <laughs> where they tried to call the Pope that night. And awesome. I thought that was the coolest shit ever. <laughs> uh, so all I wanted to do was be a cop, so I applied to at every department in the in the world that I could possibly apply at. And I actually ended up in Amarillo, Texas, uh, which was the wild, wild west back in the, the early 90s. Uh, I was a graduate of the 62nd Amarillo Police Academy. Uh, did my time there. But I, I kind of grew up here. My parent, my grandparents always lived here, and I always came back to, to Greenville every summer for my grandparents. And I always loved this place. I don't know why. I think it's because it's like two hours away from everything. You know, in two hours I can be in a big city. I can be in the mountains. I can be at the beach. I can be everywhere. So I wanted to move back here. And uh, surprisingly enough, my career in Amarillo was wrought with many write-ups, and <laughs> my personnel file was pretty high there. So I moved back here with the intention of, of getting back into law enforcement because that's all I ever wanted to do. And uh, nobody was really hiring then. And, and then I also knew, you know, due to backgrounds and stuff, I knew that uh, Chief Jerry Neal, bless his heart, uh, would not <laughs> have had fond things to say about me, uh, you know, in a background investigation. So I was like, well, I'll give it a little time, let my... Let, let that personnel file cool age down. a little bit. Yeah, yeah let some let things it, get a little weeded out a little. And then yeah. those things won't be such a big deal. <clears throat> and uh, so I, I started applying it. I was like, well, I'll be a hose dragger. <laughs> well, you know, when I was a cop, I was like, these fucking hose draggers are cool as shit, man. It's like they, a fun job. Man, they, they sit around the station, man. They, they chill. Uh, you know, they, they run these calls together. They Everybody waves at them with all their fingers and everything. And, <laughs> and uh I said, so let me give it a try. And so I applied at some departments. I applied at Greenville City and at Belmont Fire Department. Uh, were the only two that were really hiring at the time. And I knew nothing about the fire service, nothing other than the calls that I'd run with, with the, the firemen as a cop. And, and uh, I actually got, like, job offers from both. Uh, but Belmont came in, like, a week early, and I was like, hell. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> you know, and uh, probably nine, ten years later, uh, 
It, it was still a, it was a good job. It was fun. It it had the aspect of of the military life. It was kind of like barracks life. Uh, you're in there with a group of people, a group of guys, and 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 you just pull pranks on each other. And there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of fart and poop jokes, and you know, and uh, so that was that was a good time. Uh, kind of went to some other departments. Uh, went to Iraq as a contractor uh, with a fire department uh, or with the fire service. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And I came back, and the Greer Fire Department was was hiring, and they were the most progressive fire department at the time. They were the first DHEC certified first responder fire department in the county, and they had EMTs and intermediates, and they could start IVs. And I was like, you know, that's some Johnny Roy shit right there. I said, <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be cool as hell. And uh, so I started there, and, I, you know, they, uh, I'd had my EMT basic from way back, you know, when I was, when I was a cop. They actually, Amarillo was going to do a program where they had some EMTs on in police cars and stuff, so they sent me, and I never really used it. I didn't do anything with it, and and uh, so Greer sent me back through. Got my MT basic, got my intermediate, and uh, they stuck me on the, the squad truck, squad six. So it was really like like Johnny and Roy uh, was on the squad truck with uh, with some really cool people. Uh, we ran we ran all freaking day, all freaking night. The engine company guys are fucking laying there sleeping, and <laughs> we're out fucking just just tearing the roads up and, and having fun. And then uh, I started the, the place where I work now. Uh, it was kind of funny. I was, I was a basic, and uh, I, got a, I got a call from somebody, and they were like, hey, we're going to start hiring basics. And I was like, Greenville, that place where I work. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. They've never hired basics, and, and uh, you know, like, it's happening. And then I run, a, I run a call with the crew, and I'm like, hey, y'all are fixing to hire basics. And they're like, no, we're not. We had, we had IST today, and and they said, no, no, we're not. We're definitely not hiring basics. So you're one of the original eight. <laughs> yeah, ah, I, I actually waited till I got my intermediate. I would not apply as a basic. I did not want to work here as a basic. See, and I, you know, that, I was racking my brain. I'm like, when did I meet James Clardy? And then I was like, wait, I remember him a little from Greer, but I never went up that end. Like I really never posted up there or worked up there and Spart- what is it uh, old Spartanburg road and all those roads still confuse me right. I hate it up there yeah. I hate it up there I love it up there but I hate it I'm confused <clears throat> and then I said I know I don't know him from Belmont I'm pretty sure every time I saw that guy he was in a Greer uniform but I'm like how the hell did he get to EMS I remember when you were there because I remember yeah. you were an intermediate and a firefighter, and I was like, eh, I can't hold it against him too hard. Then you said talked about Belmont. I was like, oh, redneck romper room, <laughs> Southern Annex. I, I like those guys. I love that station. Uh, and then I was like, man, this guy's pretty sharp. Let's keep, let's hang on to this guy for a while, even though he's part time guy. Let's hang on to him. And then uh, you keep going, and I'll circle back around to when you got your medic. Yeah. So so yeah, I didn't want to I didn't want to work as a basic, but so I run that call and I was like, no, we had we had IST today, and they said no. Thirty days later, eight people. No, I don't even full know. Full time. It was Thirty man. Thirty there days. Was, like like it was just bam, turn around the corner, and they're like, we're hiring basics. That was an October IST. <laughs> I absolutely remember it. We're hiring basics. And everybody's like, holy shit. Uh, so I waited till I got. I was testing for my intermediate. So I was waiting on it, and I applied as soon as I got it, uh, and and started working here, and I. You know, I'd always being a fireman around here. You you just you run calls with EMS, and you 
you know, those guys went back when I was especially, you know, new in the fire service and everything, and I ran the calls. With, I was like, those guys are the shit, guys and girls, like awesome freaking people. They showed up and they did fucking work, and they were fucking jaded and they were hard. They were they were a lot like the cops that I had worked with, the older cops that I had worked with in in Texas. They had that same crusty hardness and and hell that was back when we actually had stations and and you you might have got to a station that you One didn't get beat down yeah and, and they were still hard and they did freaking just solid fucking work uh, some of them were were horrible smart asses and grouchy and <laughs> and uh you know uh, I, people don't remember who Steve Wilson was, but Steve Wilson was a really solid paramedic that worked here. Weird fucking guy. First guy I ever saw just <laughs> eat his food with gloves on no matter what it was and eat with, like, he had a sandwich with, like, a fork and a freaking knife. And I was like, what the fuck is this freak man? And he had some classic rants when I actually got to work with him before. But when Those I would was, scare me to the point where I would step away from him. And I'm like, dude, I share your yeah, pain, but I... I'm a little afraid. Yeah, I can't of you. say that. Yeah, I can't say that now. And now I am that person. I <laughs> say that, but you know, Steve would show up. I remember one day at Belmont, man, we'd run call after call with him, and you know, he was not the most fireman friendly medic <laughs> to ever venture out into to the world of EMS. And about the third or fourth time we'd run a call with him, he was just just treating us like shit. Wouldn't listen to us, and then whatever. And, I, and now I know. Now I know they were just busy and beat down yeah. he just was it wasn't he didn't want to listen to me he just wanted to get the call moving and and on and and uh, so I went back to the station I wrote it on a post and I looked up a number and I wrote it down on a post-it note and I was like I know we're gonna run another call with this asshole and I'm gonna fucking light his ass up and uh, so we sure enough we run a call with him and, and uh, he gets back in the ambulance we load the patient up he gets in the truck to drive off and I go and I tap on the driver's window and he rolls it down that exasperated look on his face and <laughs> He's like, yes. And I was like, hey, man. I said, here's a number for you. I said, uh, you should call it. He goes, what is it? I said, it's the Walmart job line. I said, if you hate your fucking job so bad, go work here. I said, now don't ever treat me like shit again. And and he just had that look like, I'll get out of this fucking truck and just stomp your ass. And But he drove off. And after that, like the next next rotation, whatever we worked with him, he and I just hit it off after right. that right I mean, we were great and then when i worked with him on a truck it was even even better <laughs> you know because then he was like now you know right right so <laughs> i don't even remember where we were going with that yeah, oh the, the how awesome. i got into ems and he was awesome so you know i, I started working and i knew mo- a lot of the people that had worked here i'd you know i first responded rode in drove in done a lot of shit with a with a lot of paramedics and, and crews here and so I started working. So most, a lot of people knew me. They knew at least who I was. and But I knew I just had to, like, that first day on that ambulance, I knew I had to just, I knew I had to show up. I knew I had to do something. Uh, and I, because I wanted, I wanted the respect of these people, whether I even knew them or not. Like, I didn't know Mike Cook. Uh, Mike Cook was the first guy I ever rode with on an ambulance. Uh, third rider, post eight, Berea, day shift. I showed up. He's looking at me with absolute disdain and disgust <laughs> that that he is having to to tolerate my my part time firefighting EMT intermediate ass <laughs> that I'm going to be just another useless bag for him to carry around. And uh, we ran the first call. I jumped in the driver's seat before he could ever get out to the truck. 
we took off. He was like, he's looking the call up in the map book. And I said, don't need that. Know where we're going. <laughs> he's like, okay, <clears throat> all right. So we get there. It's a chest pain call, uh, a complete and utter total BS chest pain call, like a 22-year-old, you know, who's having the most horrible chest pain in the world. And I, I bailed out of the truck, grabbed the ALS bag out of the side compartment. I beat him to the house <laughs> and... And I had the guy talked out of chest pain by the time they made it to the door. <laughs> he turns around and looks at me, and I said, it's my call. I'm good. I said, just, we'll walk him to, we'll walk him to the stretcher. We put him on the stretcher. We throw him in there. He's like, you need anything? I said, nope, good. I'll start an IV on the way. See you at the hospital. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it, and he's like, you're going to start IV on the way? I said, yeah, it's the only way I'm going to get good at this shit, man. I said, I got to start IVs. I said, just repetitive shit. I said, no big deal unless you think they're going to the waiting room. He goes, no, no, you're good. We jump in the truck and we, we haul ass. And, and I think that I tried to start my reputation from there. I wanted to be the first guy off the truck. I wanted to know where the fucking call was. And I wanted to get there and handle my shit without anybody else telling me what needed to be done or what had to be done. Which is the fire service. That's fire service mentality. Yeah. Earn your seat. Yeah. I, you, know, you stand for the first year while everyone else sits to eat dinner. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, be that guy. Be the guy putting in work. What? That's awesome. Yeah. So, and then I, I got to, I wrote a, I wrote a third ride shift with, uh, with, uh, I think it was, it was you and Dan Cressup. I See, and now this is a good, this is, this is where my Alzheimer's pig kicks in. Was I your training officer? I, I never had one. All right. I just had, I had third <clears throat> ride time. They were like, you're good. Cause back, that was back when we did like three shifts of third ride time. Okay. So they were like. So I did one orientation one, right. shifts. Yeah. So I did I did one with with uh, with Cook. Okay. And then I did one with you. And then I and, went back and it, to Cook. And I was with Dan. I believe you were with Dan. That's that good time. I whatever happened. I don't know, man. We were over awesome. Berg Street in some sketch ass house, and and I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm going through there, and <clears> y'all are it was y'all were just doing your thing, and I'm over there like kicking bedroom doors open and shining flashlights <laughs> and doors and I'm looking behind shit. And, uh, and I, I just remember, I think Cressup looked at me after and he's like, he goes, I like that, man. I said, what? And he goes, watching our fucking backs, man. He goes, he says, this is, this is shit down in here. And he said, shit can go wrong down here. And, uh, he goes, I like that. He said, I like that looking in bedroom doors and stuff. I said, I said, yeah, I said, I, I had a job once where I had to like abide by this whole fourth amendment shit. And I couldn't look where I wasn't, you know, didn't have direct specific permission. I said, fucking great being a paramedic. I said, I'm not bound by the fourth amendment. I can look and do anything. And I finished that, that third <clears throat> ride time with, with cook back, back at Berea. And uh, I think his partner was Wendy Martin, I believe at the time, but so it's been a little, been a little bit. So she got sick, like, like very early in the morning she needed to go home. And, and uh, cook was on the phone, I think with Thompson and I could like, I could almost hear Thompson's mumbling through the phone. Yeah. Why are you bothering me? And, you have uh, a partner, don't you? And I and I hear you know him and Cook, and I walk in there, and Cook's like, "Hey, we're fixing to talk about you." So you've been promoted. If you want to, if you want to listen, you can. If not, if you're afraid that I'm, you know, of what you're going to hear, he said, "Walk walk out the door." And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck, you're going to talk about my ass? I'm going to stand right here." And uh, I could hear Thompson going, "Is he good enough to do second person? Can you know?" Because I don't have anybody to send you. What's the difference? It was his third. It was his third day anyway. <laughs> right. One way or the other. So like two hours into my third day of third ride <clears> time, <throat> I, I became second man on a truck, oh, and, right. and and hearing Cook tell tell Thompson, he goes, "No, nah, man, he's he's nice. as solid as solid. He's as solid as half the people that work here already." So, um, 
And then the, the transition, you know, working here part-time, I just picked up, picked up every shift I could. I was working basically full-time at the fire department and then 36 to 48 hours at EMS a week. And now that, now that makes more sense. That's where I probably had my Clardy exposure. I'm like, man, this guy's around more and more. And then I think I remembered you from the fire department. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. Um, how long were you intermediate before you went to medical school? Because I know we had at least one or two conversations. I was like, dog, you got to get to paramedic school. Yeah, we, we had a few because I think it was it was probably before I went to medical school, it was probably three three years three and a half years probably okay. close to four years that that i was that i worked part-time and part-time with full-time hours right and uh and i picked up a lot of shifts and i would do you know i'd work i'd pick up nighttime shifts in the in the summertime so i could be at the pool and stuff with the kids during the day uh and then during the school year i always worked just day shifts right. so i got a mixture of everything work with work with so many back then you just work with so many different people you know as, as a part-timer you get shuffled from station to station and you were the mystery me and and yeah affectionately right right <laughs> and and because of that because people and that was my other thing is, is being that mystery meat guy being that that oh my god who the fuck is working eh, with today right uh you know i wanted to walk through the door sit in that seat and prove to that person i was working with that that they didn't have to fucking worry about me that i wasn't you know, they weren't being saddled with. I, with, saying, I don't need to carry her for twelve with, with hours, guy, you know? and I get to coddle and babysit, make yeah, sure you have a good time. Never wanted because I heard pe- people with you know, the the ambulance bay and the sidewalk talk <laughs> or the station talk. You find out who what what EMTs specifically and what paramedics are just shit. It's a small community. I tell just I tell shit. the I tell the students that I tell them you know your reputation starts in medic school. Is a small community, and I don't mean a small community in the upstate of South Carolina. I mean EMS, right? As okay. a whole, you know, you're it, you, things that you do back in the day follow you, and people be like, "Oh, I heard a story where you did it." I'm like, "It was 1998. Let it go." <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I don't think so. No, no. So I did that. You know, did that whole part time thing, and and then the Greer thing really got got tiring. That. I was on the squad every shift. I was running, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 calls a shift and then coming to EMS and and doing it. And I was like, these medics make more money. (laughs) You know, they make more money than cops. They make more money than firemen. Uh, They earn that shit. But, and and I really wanted to be a paramedic. I saw all the, you know, I was a little fucking arrogant about it because I was like, I've been an intermediate this long, and I've worked with this many paramedics, and I'm just as I could be just as good a paramedic as they are. I have no, I know this shit better than they do, and a little, little whole lot of arrogance there to it because it's a whole different ball game when it's easy when you carry the narc key it, and you actually have responsibility yeah, and you're in charge of the truck for twelve yeah, hours. It's, yeah, it, it's easy to be a, an arrogant prick when you're the intermediate going. I knew that was a stimmy. I knew that was this. I knew this was this was what was going on, and it's a big difference when like you're the paramedic and you're sitting there with a with a cocky ass intermediate. Hey, what you think about this uh, <laughs> yeah. this ST segment elevation? Yeah. What you think? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole different. Ball I know game. what I think. I'm just testing you because yeah. you know you might go to medic school. So went to medic school. Came out as a as our quit Greer transitioned to, to full time DMS as an intermediate. Uh, worked with uh, a guy that's fixing to retire. Worked with Mike Davis on a on a power truck. Uh, you know, one of those fourteen hour fucking uh, power trucks. Who trained that guy? I wonder. I don't oh. know. <laughs> and uh, 
man, and and Mike was just he was a he's slow as fucking Christmas. <laughs> talks slow. I'm sure he'll listen to this. I hope so. Does everything slow and taught me how to be a fucking paramedic. Well, I'm gonna truly. say and genuinely cares about every single person he takes care of. Taught me right. how to be a paramedic, man. Uh, I mean, he he let me do stuff. He let me make decisions. He backed my play on stuff. He told me when I was wrong. Also because that guy took his paramedic class when the book was green and on loose leaf paper in a yeah. binder and wasn't bound together. Yeah. So not yeah. like it was his first rodeo and you know. super freaking partner <laughs> to have when uh, when when you're when you're learning how to be a paramedic. Just super guy. Didn't doesn't get worked up over much. We we delivered a baby one one day and you walk in, it's like first well, we did too. First right. First delivery you know, and it's like, oh, we're going to have time. And we, you know, the mom's sitting there and we, Mike's like, there's no lights in this apartment. There's nothing. And uh, and he's like, well, take a look and see what you got. And so, I mean, I get a little flashlight down there and she's got her legs raised up, you know, knees to the fucking chin. And she's crying and pushing. And I look down and he goes, well, what is it? And I said, uh, unless there's supposed to be hair in the hole, we're in trouble. <laughs> And uh, so we open up the OB kit. It's got like half the shit in it. <laughs> it's like only half. It's like one clamp. It's like a half a scalpel, you know, nothing in it. And uh, Mike just calmly as could be just goes, hey, man, I want to go to the truck. I'll get the other OB kit. Stay here. Be right back. <laughs> Don't go nowhere. And, and, he, and he just walks off. Like, I'm like, run, motherfucker, run. <laughs> Leave me in here. And uh, we delivered that baby, but he just never got worked up. And uh, and I'd seen other, I'd seen other paramedics like, oh, God, I got two patients now. I got to have another truck. Where's the other unit? Ma- Call the helicopter. Man. Davis was like, let's go. Put 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 mom on the stretcher. Put baby on the stretcher. We got everything done. Yeah, he's out. All let's that go. shit. And he goes, let's go. He said, yeah, uh, our part's over. I said, I said w- one or three. And he goes, one. Why they're fine. One. Not sick. <laughs> one. What? Like like I was an idiot. And, so he was a great, he, he really was. To, to get through paramedic school, man, he, he taught me a lot. And I learned a lot from a lot of people that sucked as paramedics, too, working as there. I mean, I kind of learned what I didn't want to be. It's always good to learn. It's good to learn how not to be, right. what you don't want to become. And we have that. We have that in our classrooms, our cohorts every year. People, the students come, some student will come in in tears. Oh, my God, this happened, this happened. I'm like, well, look, you know, look, uh, you know, the, you learned how, what you don't want to be as a role model. Like, that was how not what you don't want to become. So learn, you know, you learn something from it right. and, and, you know, move on. And you're probably not going to do that when you have students soon. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's no, I did a Facebook post not too long ago about what kind of medic and people always ask what makes a good medic, what makes a bad <clears throat> medic, what, whatever, what kind of, what kind of paramedic are you or what kind of paramedic is this person when you're riding around? And I, and I did this whole post on that, that I'm, I'm paramedic gumbo. I'm, I'm just a big stew of, of, of things. And there's, there's some really good parts of that gumbo. I, I love, like, I love shrimp and sausage in my gumbo and people like John McCarley are the, are the shrimp and sausage to, to my gumbo. They're, they're the most awesome people that I've ever worked with, you know, just great, great people. And then there's some other people, I'm not going to mention names, but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't eat onions and I don't like onions, right. but my gumbo needs some fucking onions to right, add some flavor. Right. So I take that, those people that a little unsavory, not not particularly my cup of tea, you know that that I learned that I learned what not to do from, and you got to throw that shit in there too. Cause right. You, I mean, you're just you're not going to learn without it. No, yeah. no, absolutely not. Yeah. But, so in transition to from intermediate to paramedic, and uh, I, I I was super proud 
when you got that medic. I'm uh, not I'm not saying that for this. I'm just saying like I was like that's awesome, and I remember saying that too. I probably then I said it to your face. I, I was yeah, and I and I appreciate it. And there were a lot of people. There was you. There was a lot of people like about about fucking about time, time. right? About well, time. what what took you so long? And I probably also yeah. said I was mad that you didn't come through here. Right. Through your I understood why you didn't. I was just happy that you had that patch and you could get to doing some work. Yeah, uh, it, so. was, it was good. And I, and I honestly, out of all this shit, I mean, I've graduated, you know, Paris Island. Uh, I've uh, you know. Graduated school of infantry. I've I've done done a lot of things. You know the the police academy, fire academy classes, and I don't know, man. Paramedic ranks way the fuck up there with with what I'm proud of doing because it, it's an awesome line of work. It is truly. I people ask me, I'm the trifecta. What's you know people ask me all the time on the truck. Well, what what did, what did you know? Why you do this and not you didn't like being a cop or you didn't like being a fireman? I'm like loved being a cop. Right. Had great aspects to it. Had wonderful, wonderful aspects to it. Loved, uh, you know, and I tell people, I love, what I loved about being a cop was I loved the freedom to go create my own work if I wanted to. I could, uh, I could be a lazy ass and drive around and ignore a bunch of shit and just answer radio <laughs> calls. Uh, I loved the fire department. I loved the, the station life and, and the, the operating as a company, as a team. It was, it kind of tied in that, that Marine Corps thing with me. And, uh, and I'm like, but I really love being a paramedic because I actually see a lot of results to what I fucking do, to what I know, to what I, I'm performing. I said, I really, as cliche as it sounds, you get into this line of work, you get into public safety because there's, there's some innate want to, be a, to change somebody's life, to be there for somebody. Like, like I wanted to be that cool guy that, that you know, changed somebody's fucking life, right. did something. And... As a paramedic, I do that more. You know, I, we bitch about the shit, the calls that, that we don't make a difference. But, you know, we there's more calls that we do make a difference than what anybody else is doing. I mean, most firemen aren't dragging people out of a damn house fire every day. But almost every day, I have the chance of running a cardiac arrest right. and getting a damn ROSC on that. Right. You know, getting a save. Right. Uh, and and or, or anything. Or just identifying a STEMI or, or running that trauma and... and being skillful and fast. I mean, that's what I love about trauma. Trauma is just balls to the wall fucking fast. You got you to be. There's skills to do. You know, they, the patient needs a damn surgeon. They don't really need me. They just need me to do some shit really fucking quick. Right. That's, that's fun. Make the right decisions. That's fun. Super quick. Uh, and, and that's what I, you know, that's the difference in, in all those and being a paramedic. And so that's why I'm so proud of it. Uh, I'm proud of that paramedic patch. I, I, I do some fucking work out there. And, uh, and I'm proud of that. And, but transition, and everybody came, and they were patting me. You were patting me on my back. Everybody's patting me on, it on was, my back. It was a big deal to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and there's only been a few of you that that's been a big deal to. I can really can think of maybe three people off the top of my head in the last maybe 10 or 15 years yeah. that we were like, dude, this is, this is it. We got them. We got them. We got them now on the medic side. Yeah, that, and, <clears throat> and with that, man, that, that, that ego, the, the ego and the arrogance – really really popped up there i was like yeah 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 until you run that first shit fucking call <laughs> and you're like god you're humbled fuck man, quick i just want to be an intermediate again yeah it was a lot easier when i was just starting to line yeah. this was cool yeah i mean because it was i think i had my paramedic patch i don't know not long and 
and you know, just as a, I don't know if it's a failure of the system or I just slipped through the cracks or whatever. I, I never worked with the FTO even as a right. We you, just tra- a, we transitioned a, you, but that was the end. That and was that, it. So when you say failure of the system, I think uh, I, I've questioned that a couple times with a couple of those other people where I thought where the medics, the existing medics, while you were going through school or these people were going through school, we created that um, because we would talk you up. And, right. you know, we wanted to build you up. Right. And, and I think we all, I mean, we precepted you and said, hey, you know, you need a little work here. But I think more of it was like, man, you're doing a great job. I wish I had more students like you, blah, 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 blah. And then when you come out, you're just like, oh, I mean, I know it's day one, but I really feel like it's year three. Right. Where I know, I know my protocols. I've seen everything. They let me do cool stuff. And then you, you run a couple of calls where you're in, you are responsible. You do carry the NARC key. You do make decisions, uh, and all of a sudden it's, oh, you know, oh, that didn't go like I thought. That didn't go like it used to go. And, and oh, wait, I was the one who made that decision, and uh-oh. Uh, you get humbled. And I thought a, a, a few people, I always felt like that was detrimental. And people would come to me, and they would, you know, the typical F, when we were FTOs, they would, you know, not a, not the best behavior, like, oh, so-and-so. You know, they're fucking up left and right. Whatever happened, everybody said they were an awesome student. They were an awesome student, right. and we built them up, and we didn't make their head any bigger, but I think we had such an expectation that they would know where we were as five- and six-year medics who walked around that place like, there's nothing that bothers me. I've seen every call. You run one gunshot, you run them all, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing I can't learn. Why do I go to Con Ed? What's next for me? You know, we, wanted, we wanted somebody close to that. And there, you know, you're, yeah. you're not there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's different. You have that exposure and that experience as that intermediate, and then you're all you're you're it. You're oh, responsible, yeah. and you're like, all right, now it's when you say taught me how to be a paramedic. We taught your school taught you the skills and the the methodology, and then you had to go learn it. Uh, and that's that's a, a recurring theme in these. And I love when the students hear it because they have those great expectations, and they get beat down, and then they build themselves back up and. You know, we're, we're, we're pretty lucky to have people like that. So. Yeah, I, I love, I mean, and, and, and I like talking to students about that now. And I like, even when, when we do the adjunct thing over at the, at the med school, uh, you know, even, even talking to them, cause you know, I hope Phil Head's not listening, but I don't actually do skill stuff the entire time we're in those rooms. I like <laughs> just learning where these kids come from and their background <coughs> and, and, and we tell some more stories cause they, cause they feel like it's really cool right, shit. And, right. uh, but I, but I tell them all, I was like, you know, the, it, it's it's amazing when you get humbled, and and to me, if you don't embrace that that call that humbles you, if you don't, I can tell anybody, man, I can tell people my screw ups, man. I, I can, I ran a, I ran a stupid call that was like a fall in a in a buffet type restaurant. I was with with uh, one of my favorite all time partners, Travis Scott. He was like he was like working with my kid. Your son. It was like just raising my my kid. <laughs> Uh, same ages as my my older kids and stuff, and Travis was so new and and uh, but but has like the soul of an old man. Uh, it's it's really is crazy. But he was such a good partner. But he was a he was a basic at the time, and we run this call for this stupid nothing fall, and I get there, and this little old lady, she's you know she's elderly and she's pale and diaphoretic, and she's not responding appropriately. And I don't know why I walked through the door, and I was so tunneled in that this was cardiac related she had a syncopal episode that's why i looked at it she had a syncopal episode and that's all this was this was cardiac related and i was going to run this 12 lead and i'd and i'd been so good 
at catching just stimmies off some weird presentations and shit that, that I got to where I thought I can, this, this is a stimmy. The I stimmy know it whisperer. is. I know it. I, and I, you know, we, we, we're in the middle of a buffet line. And, and so we pick her up, we put her on stretcher and uh, we start like really doing an assessment while we're moving to the truck on the, on the stretcher. And I'm telling Travis, I was like, it's good. It's cardiac, man. It's cardiac. It's cardiac. <laughs> That's all I could think about, man. It's just this. Her whole issue was her heart. I knew it. Uh, yeah, I was wrong, but uh, <laughs> I, I didn't catch being wrong until probably about halfway to the hospital. And I run the twelve lead, and it's like unremarkable. And her pressure's fucking way up there, and I'm like, "What the fuck is wrong with this old lady? Why is she not responding appropriately?" You know, I'm thinking a single episode. I I keep thinking she's going to come around. She's going to come around. She's she just you know. Sudden drop in blood pressure. If, right. it, if it's not a STEMI, she just had a vasovagal response, and it, it's going to come up. She's going to start responding appropriately. And somewhere on 385, uh, her disconjugate gaze finally caught my yeah, gaze. Right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and she vomited uh, profusely and, and projectilely, if projectile is even a word, uh, the contents of the entire buffet. Yeah, that buffet, right? Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, as she's doing that, and I'm flailing around trying to, you know, I don't know, not get vomit on me, get vomit on me, do, do whatever. And, and freaking out because I still, even at that time, I'm like, nothing's registering completely about what's going on that this is. And what it was, she fell, she hit her head. Now right. she may have had a vasovagal response sure. and she fell and hit her head. Right. But now she's bleeding in her but now brain she's bleed. <laughs> right. and, and, and shit's going, going south yeah. rapidly. She's, you know, we have a compromised airway with, with copious vomit. Right. Uh, and, and I'm screaming at Travis to, to stop. And I don't even know why I wanted to stop. I, I really, you know, at this point, if I'd run, if I did that same thing today, I'd be like, Hey man, drive, drive a little bit faster, yeah. or, you know, whatever. And, and then I was like, just stop and get back here. Right. I just wanted, I mean, I'd wanted him to hold me. Yeah. I need somebody to just kind of commiserate <laughs> with a little bit. I just wanted him to like hold my hand. <clears throat> I wanted to like curl up like a little baby and, and cry. And I, I had one IV and, and I pulled it out when I was doing <laughs> shit. Now blood's going everywhere, and I'm like, "This call sucks ass." Right. And uh, I'd already it was call- a whole lot simpler when it was a vasovagal response. <laughs> I'd already called the hospital, <laughs> right. and and now I'm trying to get another line. And I, you know, Travis gets out, and I got the lady rolling. We're suctioning, and Travis like, "You want to call for help?" I'm like, "Fuck no, I don't want any help. No, I don't want I don't anybody want to see this. To know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want no, anybody to know this is going anyone. on. Never tell anyone about this." Man, and, and we pull up at the hospital, and I, I go in, and and uh, the nurses are like, uh, "What is this?" And I was like, "This needs to be in the trauma bay, probably." Yeah, uh, alert. Yeah. So, Oops. and and I, you know, and I have no problem telling that. I I, I fucked a pooch on that one, and I got tunneled in on one particular thing and I just ran with that ball and never never looked back and uh you know screwed the pooch on that one but I guarantee you that shouldn't happen again so that and many other mistakes and I, I like telling everybody that but that you know that's that was how my medic shit started uh progressed I've worked like the power trucks I've worked Bravo shift I've worked uh Alpha shift uh I was a pain in junior's ass for for, for a few years uh we you're still working that temporary reassignment to Delta. Uh, uh, I was yeah. thinking of that the other day. I was like, yeah, Clark, I hope he gets enough sleep when he comes in. I was like, you know, Delta shift, night shift. I was like, you know what? He's still on that temporary reassignment to Delta shift from a couple years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I did I did a temporary one to C shift. I like to be able to claim that I've worked every every, every shift. shift. And I, I did. I've done some six, eight-month little stints on, on, uh, on Charlie. And then I, you know, 
<laughs> for whatever it is, I like change sometimes. Some things I don't like to change. Some things I get really bored with. Being on the, the same shift, same time slot, I tend to get bored with. And and uh, so there was, yeah, there was a little email put out. Hey, you know, if you want to volunteer, go to <laughs> go to Delta Shift for for uh, for six months and uh, need to help them out. They're shorthanded, need an FTO, need a, a field training officer. And, and uh, I was like, shit, I'll go. Yeah, why not? And because uh, uh, one of those... You know, the, the lieutenant on that shift at the time was was one of the guys that that uh, that kind of contributed to my paramedic gumbo. Fucking Big Daddy Dave, man. <laughs> I mean, just a, a good, solid lieutenant and a good, solid boss. I mean, he's one of those guys that if you fuck up and you walk through the door, uh, he may yell at you. He may bite your head off. Uh, and then when it's over, it's done with. It's you over you with walk out and it's, it's next done. Job. Yeah. And uh, and if and he treats you fair. I mean, I, I I always love that about Dave. He just he treats you fair, and that's that's all anybody really can expect out of a boss. Just treat me, treat me a little, treat me fair, man. You can yell at me, you can holler at me. It doesn't bother me. Your bark doesn't doesn't bother <laughs> me, man. Hell of a rescue guy, man. I, I mean, hell of a fucking rescue guy. Uh, if if Dave didn't know how to cut a damn car apart, I just don't know who would have. Right. Uh, Ran some extrications and, and stuff with Dave, and ran a call. I was actually working with the the great Aaron Dix of of the Nursing Home Fire podcast. He's one of six listeners to this podcast. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, this car was so torn up, and this guy was so entrapped, and and uh, I just remember the the fire department came, and they, it was one guy on a truck, and. Uh, and Aaron's like whirling around like a whirling dervish and, and trying to get this guy. He's going to get this guy you know, nasally tubed in the car because he's trapped and we're going to do all this shit. And the fireman, I, I knew him. So he walks up, he goes, what do you need? And I'm like, well, I get this guy out of the car. He goes, where, where do you want me to start? And, and uh, Aaron like walks by and he goes, and he looks at Aaron. He goes, well, what do you need? What do you need me to do? And Aaron said, where's everybody else? <laughs> and he goes, I- I'm it. Aaron said, I need you to go get more fucking people. Right. <laughs> And, uh, and Dave showed up and we were trying, we were discussing the extrication and I'm like, I'm expecting some like great technical advice from Dave on this extrication. Just some gravel. I'm like, I was really expecting like a light to come on out of the sky. Like, <laughs> you know, Dave to like fucking hover some shit and come oh, up with some the, like the way that you're going to approach this. Right, uh, just some, look at the physics behind it. Some genius. And Dave goes, Fuck, I don't know. Just tell them to start cutting somewhere. Yeah, if you cut somewhere, <laughs> Just we'll cut peel enough away from here. Peel, uh, peel so the car right. away. Yeah. Right. So that was my... I've been on Delta Shift ever since, uh, you know, and uh, uh, it's been it's been the best time of, of my career, of my 20-some-odd years in public safety, this this stint on, on Delta Shift. I can't imagine right now uh, being anywhere else. And Night Shift, I can tell you, has, it is, it's a different world. It is, in some ways, it's been the absolute best part of my career and some parts of it uh, the worst. Uh, you know, I think it's, it, it's, been a, it's been a marriage destroyer for me, the night shift thing. a lot of that. Uh, you know, it doesn't work in that night shift with, a, with your family's working regular, regular hours. This doesn't, doesn't jive in jiha sometimes. And, you know, things happen. It is what it is. And, and the bad part is, is I'm like, uh, what, change and come right, off nights. Right, I mean, I don't right. know what to do about that. I don't, know, I don't know how that really makes me feel or what kind of person that really makes me is, you know, I, I really don't know if somebody came and said, hey, go to days and shit might work. I'm like, 
No, it won't because yeah, I'll be fucking no. miserable, right. <laughs> you know. I, and so Delta's been my, my favorite, and I, I don't, you know, the, the people on there, the people I work with that have been on there, that have come and gone, and the people, the new people that they've put on there, uh, I don't know, maybe I put them up on a little pedestal that they're probably really no different than the other shifts, but to me, they're, they're, they're different, man. They're, they're truly I think there's always a difference. I think we can always see that because when I was full time, when C shift was right. the, that was the shift. We oh, were yeah. the most educated. We had the most longevity. Nobody messed with us. If, oh, yeah. if you were talking about night shift, a lot of people talk bad about D shift. Oh, you speak called called a, dumb shift. Yeah, some other things too. <laughs> and and then yeah. again, you still when I stepped back and I looked at it, and I grew up a little bit. It was because they were young. And now about and they're the leaders on the shift and they're they're hand they're passing it on to the new kids that are on that shift. And there's a lot. There's a lot. And I would put I like when I when I'm able to work night shift. Uh, it's past my bedtime now. <laughs> um, that I like I like working that shift. And mostly because my wife works at the hospital on that shift and I get to see her at the hospital and that's cool. But there they you can see the education there, you can see the experience. And then you look at the other shifts and you're like, man, you know, C-shift is the D-shift of 2005, you know? Yeah, and I think so. And it always kind of makes that real cyclical. Yeah. It'll come full circle. And then, you know, we used to joke back in the day that C-shift cha- trained A-shift. Right. You know, everybody everybody awesome would be on C-shift for a couple of years and then be like, I want to go to D's. And like A-shift would be like the superior, like awesome experience shift. And it really wasn't until I came to the college that I understood I used to, I think, probably lie to myself about why. I mean, I know why I like night shift because admin wasn't there. Right. Lion, I, I like that autonomy, and our lieutenant gave us that, and our sergeants did too. Um, but when I started working day shift, I was like, oh my god, it's totally different calls. Like we always said, like when this, you know, well, I don't want to go to the doctor's office anymore. Right. right? Isn't the doctor here to do something? Well, yeah, we got to take him to the hospital. Well, you did all the fun stuff. Right. You shouldn't have come to the doctor's office. Call from your house next time. I want to do the IV. Exactly. And yeah. I want, I want to yeah. do the EKG. I want to tell you you're having a STEMI. Yeah. Or you look at the EKG and the doctor's like, you're having a STEMI. And I'm like, mm, they have pericarditis, yeah. but uh, right. we'll take them to the hospital. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you're explaining global ST elevation and STEMI imposters to some like, you know, brand new doc. Or I had a PA one night freaking out. She tells this poor man, 33 years old, hey, he's having a heart attack. And I was like. When we were still Simpsonville post or post nine, right across the driveway from the hospital, half asleep, drug my, I told my partner, I was like, get the truck, meet me over there. And I go over and tuck him a shirt in, whatever. And this guy's like, he's almost in tears. I was like, what's, what's wrong, sir? And she's like, he's like, I'm having a heart attack. I was like, do you have chest pain? Yeah. She hands me the EKG. She's like, yeah, it's pretty bad. She said that in front of the patient. I said, well, um, no, I don't, I don't think you're having a heart attack. She's like, what do you mean? It's right there. I was like, well, you know, it's everywhere, actually. And he looks great. This guy looks awesome. Super fit, 33-year-old. Lean, lean forward, sir. Right, right. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, I was like, what, you know, what, what brought you in? He's like, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a drug rep. So he's like, so I know I'm around medical people a lot. He goes, just didn't feel good. I'm burning and this. I said, you've been feeling bad for a couple of days? So like cough, cold, fever, flu? He's like, yeah, I just got over it. I was like, real, real quick, can you hang your feet off the bed for me? Here comes my partner with a stretcher. I said, real quick, just hang your feet off. I said, lean forward like you're sitting on the toilet. He does it. I said, you feel better? He's like, yeah. I was like, cool. Get off the bed. Hop onto our (laughs) bed. I was like, it's called pericarditis. You have an infection around your heart. Uh, We'll fix you up. 
Oh, we transport him to the cath lab, 33 years old. And it's the middle of the night, like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Head up the connector, you know, whatever, no big deal. Get in there, the doc. He's all hooked up, apron, gown, glove, ready to go. I was like, yeah, this is pericarditis, doc. He's like, yeah. He's like, well, we're here. We had to come call in team. He goes, might as well shoot some die. And I was like, <laughs> well, he's a drug rep, so he's probably got the money, money. for it. Yeah, so, he's got uh, good insurance. I was like, you mind if I hang out? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. So he does it, does a calf. He's like, yep, everything looks great. He's like, paramedic was right. And I was like, you guys have a good night. I'm out. <laughs> I was yeah. like, sir, I hope you feel better. <laughs> but, you know, that, again, that's, you know, that was, that was it. And, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, I bet D-Shift couldn't figure that out. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and you talk about like, yeah, the reason I like it is the admin. I come in at four, Different uh, I, I've, I've worked five, five to five, four to four, I've worked eight to eight. And that I don't four like to going, four is, that was fun. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. like that uh, shit. Th- that eight to eight shit, man. I, I got, <sighs> I got to get home for the sun comes up and just fucks <laughs> me up if I don't. And, uh, five to five was good mainly because there was the really good people when I worked on five to five young, like really young, eager just love the fucking job newer paramedics uh I, diabetic ben i don't know if you can say that i, I think i can that's <laughs> that's his name now i mean fuck people i think even the damn supervisors like diabetic ben's up at, uh, it's a lot different though because there's no other ben though right like, it's only right. Ben. It's only so ben. but he had the, to be the di- diabetic moniker in there had to be diabetic ben man <laughs> funniest kid though he, he's got just a kind of a little slower dry dry humor and uh and, and he is diabetic, and and he he jokes about his his uh, his insulin pump being his his robo pancreas. <laughs> you know, some people wear their hearts on their sleeves. Well, he wears his pancreas on his belt. And uh, man, super fucking good paramedic. Yep. Good good person. My student. Right. And and that's a lot of these were. I mean, you yep. you, you look at the people like him, <clears throat> and the other people on five to five were, you know, like Andy was on on five to five and. Andy's absolutely just a freaking ball of energy, a joy to work with, a pain in the ass to work with. He's just a kid that loves what he's doing. I enjoy Andy. He's enjoying the hell out of the job, and he's pretty fucking good at it. Uh, they've just become really good. So I love the five to five. The the four to four came available, and I was like, get home a fucking hour earlier. I can get up. I can do. I can, I can start drinking yeah, earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the four to four, and it's been it's been awesome. I love the four to four time slot. It's, it's great. But I come in at four, man, and fucking admins bailing out the door when I come in, uh, you know. And as long as they're not hanging around to have a meeting with me, I feel like I'm pretty good. Uh, the the traffic, I get a little bit of that afternoon rush hour traffic and stuff that that can, you know, that keeps me just angry and salty enough. <laughs> Uh, to to do some other things that, in my life and and then the night shift rolls around man and we we get that big that evening shift boost Set from from fucking calls, five right. to five till you know midnight one o'clock and then you know from one o'clock to about three o'clock we run the, the typical drunk ass you know bar stuff on the weekends and the fun stuff and the wrecks and stuff and then when it kind of starts dying down a little bit uh, I go home and uh, I, I, I you know I make my do my game ball post and 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 go get some sleep and uh, so I, I really I love that time slot I love the people that I work with and and the supervisors they've allowed me to back as far even when Dave was still our lieutenant and stuff they allowed me to kind of roll with some of the stuff that I wanted 
to do like my, you know, what, what C shift and all the other shifts hate. <laughs> they hate my hashtag. They hate my hashtag Delta doc shit. They give Omni me dog. shit for it. And I love it because the more that they give me shit for it, the more I know they're, they're really paying attention yeah, to me. Absolutely. They're paying attention to us. And, and so I love that part. And, and, uh, and I still work overtime on, on, well, the other night shift. I don't, I tried to avoid day <laughs> shift like the fucking plague, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, so I've so I've enjoyed it, and it's brought me all the way to to kind of where I'm at. As I'm kind of the old man on on Delta Shift now, and I don't know when that happened. I became dude the old man. If you had to renumber the badges right now, you would be like Delta Six. <laughs> yeah. And out of thirty five people on the shift, that's a big deal. Yeah. <clears throat> Reserved for corporals back in the day after the rescue techs got the low numbers. So I appreciate. That segue, because I, I struggled, I struggled with the theme because you wouldn't help me, um, and I, and I probably knew in the back of my head what I what it was going to be one way or the other, <clears throat> and it's absolutely the morale end of it because you've been called you've been called you've been called some names, brother. Yes, you, and I mean a lot that we can say on a podcast because the FCC don't care evidently because we're not a network. And uh, four-letter words, a lot of things that end in ER, which is pretty cool. But uh, one that ends in ER, pretty recent, uh, for a while now. I don't you probably don't realize it, but it's been cheerleader, number one. And, you know, you smirked a little like, eh, cheerleader, I don't want to be cheerleader, I want to be salty old fuck. No. I mean, yeah, you are. I get it. When you need to be. Um, But you've been cheerleading, dog. You've been cheerleading a lot. Um, and I really did not realize how long it was. First of all, I lose a lot of concept of time behind this desk at the school. <clears throat> and even when I was behind the desk back at EMS the other year, uh, I lose, lose concept of time. It's like being in a movie theater with um, cheerleader. Uh, yeah. And it's 100% due to those game balls. <laughs> What's the, what, first of all, what is the game ball? Describe it for people who don't, I mean, the people who listen probably know. But for the four other people across the world who listen to this, who don't know where any of those people that I probably have to track down now and get releases to sign because we said their names, right? Even though we were telling saying the nicest things in the world, um, whatever the game recognized game. Um, what's the game ball? Uh, I mean, you 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 tell it in your words, and then I got some. So I got some comments. I think I, I started. I'm I'm a sports guy, and you I rel- I relate everything in life back to. To sports, I love sports movies. I like watching sports. Uh, uh, so my youngest son plays. He, he plays football. Also, uh, the problem I couldn't get you on the show last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every there, there's only two things in this world, you know, and that's football season and and, and going to work. That's about it. And uh, so, I, you know, being that sports guy, there's always the the end of game. You go to the locker room. The game's over. You've busted your ass for the for the whole sixty minutes, the nine innings, the the whole time. And and some coach stands up and and calls out and recognizes some guy, you know, some guy, some girl, some somebody on the team that just kicked ass that day or that night, and uh, and just did a hell of a job. And they get the game ball they get that that ceremonial you know sometimes literal game ball that they get to take home they put on a mantle they put it somewhere uh and you know 
I, I'm a sports guy because I sucked at sports. <laughs> uh, I had I had the mind to play. I had the desire to play. I lacked a really key component to playing, which was called talent. Right. Uh, I was an okay little league baseball player. I was an okay football player. I was okay at a lot of things in sports, but I never ever got a game ball playing sports. I mean, in, unless I was like the the guy that you know toted the the water bottle the best or whatever. <laughs> And I always wanted to be that sports guy. I was want you know, I and I and I just didn't. It wasn't in me. It wasn't what I was. Um, so I don't know, man. I, and I don't even remember when or where it started. Uh, I think I I, tr- just... I floated through a lot of social media posts, dude. I mean, I mean, like I data mined this shit out of your page, and I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint it. Right. I, don't know. I know it's a while back, though. Yeah, it's been it's been a while, and and I think one of the one, one of the first ones I can remember. Uh, went out to uh, a guy that's like no longer here and I don't even know if I put it out as a game ball or just kind of put it out as you know there was some shit that went on today that a crew did one hell of a damn job and it and it was and I can tell you it goes back to to the whole Aaron Dix thing because Aaron Dix put a put a fire in the providers of the place where I work about cardiac arrest management and that I was going to say that and I thought that this was a continuance when we stopped with the big ceremonies. Yeah. I thought it was something to kind of keep going and yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint it and I had to sit and think, but again, my Alzheimer's kicks in horribly now, but, um, th- that really, I thought that was it. And I was like, man, I think the earliest posts were like, good job on getting rocks or working a code. Yeah. Uh, and then it just kind of, it kind of evolved. And, right. and you know, I'll tell you, again, slow on the uptake. I remember when you started using different terms. You started saying about the real nurses. And right. I was like, real nurses, real, real nurses. nurses. And I just thought, I thought I was like, well, you know, no, Clardy don't have any nurses in the family. So maybe he's, I thought maybe you were talking about the typical, the ED versus the ICU nurse uh, rivalry. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty well known. But I was like, real nurses, real nurses. Oh, wait, it's RN, like nursing, like right. RN. And RN. I was like, oh, my God, that's cool as shit. That's clever as real hell. Nurses. I was like, all right, and not just the ED nurses. Right. It was they were the, These are the real nurses that right. understand, understand EMS, understand what we're doing out there, what, what, what we're bringing them. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I was and like, dude, that's super cool. Yeah, and that, and that is. And, and the real nurses, you know, that I mean, I, I love that part of it. And the real nurses that I know, the people that I know are ER nurses. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, to me, they are the real nurses. Right. They and they're, they're in the shit. It, literally, because if you were yeah. going to give the hospital an enema, yeah. the, the ED is yeah. where you would yeah. stick the tube. And uh, so I think that, like, the first to go back, I, and, I, and I don't know if this was actually the first or not, but uh, it was a, a ROSC on the side of, I think, the interstate that was, was gotten by, uh, by Mike Nervous Purvis. <laughs> uh, I think he was working with... Uh, Listening from Texas. Yeah, I hope he is. Miss you, Purvis. You nervous little... Anyways, I had some really good calls with him too, uh, and uh, Tara Clark at the time, Tara Kastner, uh, affectionately known as the Tara Medic, uh, great, great person, hard worker. Uh, I, she's Canadian. That's the only thing I can really hold against her. Uh, <laughs> and, and fire department, right? And and I think I I did it. I, I said something about it because it was just an awesome job. That the the whole call was when Aaron Dix would, would preach to us, and it was like preaching. It was like, you know, a little Jewish guy can preach, <laughs> you know, and he, and he would start up there about the chain of survival. 
you know, and that whole chain starts with that calls made and that bystander puts their hands on somebody's chest right. and starts pumping and then, and it just, it progresses. That chain just progresses and, and just interlinks everything together. And this call was one of those. When I talked to, to, to Purvis at the hospital, it was like, they showed up, some guy just driving by on the interstate stops, sees this guy collapse. He fucking runs over, he calls 911, he hits the fucking ground, you know, knees in the gravel on the side of a road pumping on this guy's chest and 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 the fire department gets there and they take over their thing they throw the AED on they pop this guy one time and they start back CPR and then the the ambulance shows up and bam they're man they're doing some ALS shit they're fucking tubing this guy they they've got you know they got drugs going they're continuous they pop him again pop him again hey we got a pulse with that fuck yeah we got a pulse with that we got a rosk hey run the 12 lead let's get him in the truck run the 12 lead hey he's having a stimmy you know and, and transport him to the hospital. And this guy's like, like going up to the cath lab, waking up. Right. And I was like, that's fucking, that's right. and awesome. In your head, you're checking off that link in man, the chain. I was like, I was like, like, and I was like, man, I wish I'd have been. I w-. That's the <clears> bad <throat> part is I'm like, I wish I'd have been on that call. Right. I want to be on that call with them. I want to do that. And I remember I made the post and then I saw some guys from and they came up, man. And they were like, pat me on the back and, and fist bumping and high five. And they were like, thank you. Yeah. They're like, they're like, we don't know what happens after, after they, after these people leave. And, and, and sometimes we don't even know. And that was what one of them said, like, man, I'm just doing whatever they tell me to do. Yeah, right. I don't even really know what's going on. I showed up. I did what they asked. You know, and, and he's like, we went available. And, and he was a younger fireman. He was like, <clears throat> he said, did we really save that guy's life? Yeah. And I said, fuck yeah, you did. Yeah. I said, like, he's going to walk out of that hospital. I think he did too. And I said, he's going to walk out of that hospital. He goes, and he's like, that was, that was the shit. And he goes, and you put it on Facebook. Right. I said, yeah. I said, I kind of got to be careful. I said, I can't put specifics. Can't put I can't right, put Right, right, right. But I said, but you knew. He goes, yeah. He said, he says, man, that, that, that meant a lot to me. And I was like, and I really thought to myself, why the fuck does my Facebook post mean a lot to you? Dude, it was an instant, people instantly gravitated toward it. Toward it. And I was like, this is awesome. And it's to watch it progress, and even when it's not good, there's time. I mean, it's always the game ball. You're always you're always putting out the positive stuff, you know. And <clears throat> it's been people who've done well, people who dealt with tough stuff on a on a on a shift, um, you know, things that happened to you on the crew, things that happened to other people, things that happened in the ED, whatever it was, the fire department, the police police department treating cops. I mean, cops yeah. have been in accidents. Uh, you know, and then to see people to see people comment, like uh, I, you know, you could easily for me to divide it into two comments. I'll I'll take a couple screenshots and throw some in the show show notes so everybody can get an idea. But um, you know, I like when the people who are tagged say something else about it, um, and then people who weren't there. That, that's the second type of the second type of comment is like, man, I really. I, I enjoy your. I enjoy these immensely. Or like this, you know, this bright. This made my day. I needed. To, I needed to read this today, or or I just came on to shift, and I, I'm you know. I hope we have a shift like this. Um, and then as they've evolved, I've seen it. Uh, this is recently for me personally. Um, I've been asking. I see. I see other people not really copy it, but I see a lot more providers, and not just at our agency. I see them in the in other agencies in the upstate. That are like I recently had somebody who 
uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw her out there because she'll get a kick out of it. I saw Michelle in, uh, in write something about a, a brand new medic, one of our graduates, and she was almost. I mean, if you, if I say Michelle and was gushing, would you believe you wouldn't believe <laughs> no, that word at no. all, right? And she was saying like how, how good this new paramedic was, and she you know, she thinks she's going to do really well. And I was like, man, that's awesome. I said, I texted her and I said, you know, I I think that's awesome. You wrote that. I said, did you tell her to her face? And she's like, yeah, I did. Before I posted it, I was like, that's awesome. Right. And I think that's the, I think that's made a lot of other people move toward that. Like, it's, I know it's a lot easier to write things because you say, maybe you feel weird saying that to somebody. I thought it was always easy as an FTO where you were always doing like a structured debrief. You're like, ah, oh, Clark, that was awesome. That was good. That was a good, good catch on that PE on that call. I mean, I didn't even catch that. Good job. Keep up the good work. But like, it was like that's business. Like that seems like business, but it's like at the end of a shift, and like when you go home, you're like, "Dog, you're doing a great job. You know, you're you really gotta you're really gonna make a name for yourself here. Keep it up. You know, if there's any way I can help you, I think you're doing I think you're doing a great job. <clears throat> and this this will this will make it. This will be the downer part. When I was this, <laughs> I told my wife, I said it felt bad. I was trying to look look. I thought when I found, I knew I'd written these notes. Uh, I was went back looking, and I just kind of went into my Evernote program where I, I take a lot of notes through that. And I put in podcast, and so it brought up everything. So there's a ton of titles that say podcast ideas for like the last year, and uh, it was, and I have stuff written down too. And I found it where it was written, plus where it was in the electronically, and uh, it said like you know, ty- you know, types of podcasts. Like I got Clardy in here for the cheerleading and the morale end of it because that that's the guy. Uh, and then and on, so it's bad because it was on the same page. It was like Dean Douglas. Uh, talk about the evolution of EMS and dinosaurs and EMS. I was like, ugh, it's never going to happen now. Um, but uh, it, it had you both on the same page. He used to respond to that crazy and was just like, Clardy's, Clardy's got it figured out. Like, I remember him saying it. Clardy's got that figured out. It's, this is one of the best things you can do for the up-and-comers. Uh, and I was like, and I can tell. Like, I always get worried because there'll be a couple weeks or maybe there was, a, there was about a month and a half period, almost two months, man, that you didn't have anything written. And I was like, hmm, Charlie. Clarity's not cheerleading. Wonder what's going on over there. Or I wonder if he's okay. Then I would text you, be like, dog, where you been? What are you, yeah. what are you been up to? Yeah. And then after a while, whatever, it's just like everything else at EMS, it's sick, like things get better or something changes and you're like, if they started coming out again. Or more, I was in the back of my head, I was like, maybe people are like, dude, where are the fucking game balls? It's the only thing that's getting me through 12 hours. Like, you know, it makes me want to come back or it makes me want to work overtime and, you know, I see people write, man, my one goal in life, my one goal in this quarter is to get a Clardy game ball. The nurses right. say it. I've heard cops say it. I've heard firefighters it's, say it. It's freaking crazy, man. It is crazy. It's, and there's nothing nuts. physical. Like, I really, I did. I've been so busy this last week getting ready for this. I really wanted to have a foam Nerf ball here with the stencils on it that says the Delta Doc thing with the little say. Yeah. And uh, be like, dog, I want you to give this to people. Give this. Give I'm, this I'm actually it. working on having some made. Awesome. Uh, and, and, it is crazy. It's crazy that I started it and it, and it became where I sucked in sports. I was always semi good at writing right. in school. I could write a story. Uh, my my grandfather was was a storyteller and lived a, a freaking crazy ass life. Was a loan shark at, at thirteen <laughs> at the at the Piedmont Mill. He ran moonshine. He was. The the it's first an enterprising member, young man, right? He was the first member of NASCAR in South Carolina and the twenty fifth member of NASCAR overall. Uh, race cars, ran shine, 
was was like mobbed up with some with some people in Philadelphia during like during World War II, like counterfeiting gas stamps and and smuggling silk hose for ladies <laughs> because all the silk was was dedicated to yeah, parachutes, parachutes and stuff. But and he always and he could tell a story and he could just tell a story and hold a room. And and people that had no idea what the hell he was talking about and probably had no interest in some of the shit he was talking about would just stop and listen to him tell right. a story. And there, there's a you know there's an old Irish thing that the Shaughnessy is the is the storyteller of the family. And so I always could tell a tell a little bit of a story. And uh, and then progressively, that the Delta Dot Game Ball kind of became therapeutic for me. Uh, it helped me get through some some things, some calls that just bothered the shit out of me that I didn't know why. All of a sudden, somewhere in my career, all of a sudden, I, I just overflowed. And some something, all of a sudden, some shit started bothering me that had never bothered me before. And uh, and it became therapeutic. I, got, I talked about it. I sat and I, and I, you know, I typed and I talked about it. Going to bed, it helped me sleep a little bit. Uh, but it was just therapeutic for me. And then it helped... You know, one of the other reasons was is I got family. I got some, some, a few friends that aren't paramedics or, or whatever. Uh, more so, I've got some family that have friends that are not paramedics right. or cops or firemen. Right. And, and they, you know, somehow stumble across my, my, my thing because my, my, of my family. And, uh, and I, and I wanted people to know, I, you know, I wish I could, I wanted people to know yeah. what the hell goes on when the lights go down. And and shit when when nobody else is awake, there's this roving, you know, band of degenerates out here, just putting in solid ass work and and doing some shit and they're tired and and I wanted people to know that there's good stuff that goes on, and uh, so it just became therapeutic for me and let people kind of be informative and let people know and I just always liked coaches that inspire, uh, leaders that inspire, leaders that can stand up and make you, you know. There was leaders in the Marine Corps that could stand up in front of you and give you that same tip of the freaking spear speech. <laughs> and it's the same speech. It's it, Every Marine's always gotten the same speech. It's the tip of the spear. And I always said, yeah, uh-huh. I, 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 you know, it's part of part of that thing is I want to be that guy. So I use that. So it's, it's therapeutic. It's it's all that. And then all of a sudden, man, you, you brought up Dean. and I do that, too. Whew. All right, yeah, that's, a little, it, that's a little tough one. I uh, know it should because I had stopped. I, I I was I was catching shit from admin about about it, and they they don't get it. No, uh, yeah, they just don't understand. Dude, it's one of the best recruitment and morale tools, and it's free. Yeah, yeah and it's free within the limitations of our loosely worded <laughs> social media policy. Right. <laughs> and uh, so they don't get it, but I but I've been catching hell about it, and I and I catch hell from other people. You know, there, there's people that, that I work with that are like, you know, just, oh, there's another game ball post, blah, 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 and whatever. And Which it, it throws me for a loop when I see that, and I think, like, man, are you mad because your name's not in it? <laughs> I understand things a lot better. Um, <clears throat> looking back, how important it is, like, yeah, how, how important that morale that morale piece is. And, like, I, I mean, you don't have, you have no idea how much it makes me feel good to hear you say you're a writer because I've been asking, I've been kind of probing around uh, EMS for, for people. I think there's a lot of talent out there 
Uh, and I think a lot more people write than they let on, whether it's a journal or it's on the computer or someone's trying to write the next book or their memoir. Um, we don't have a lot of those. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's because people go, well, you know, people don't understand what we do on night shift or people don't understand the, 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 the fucking who wants to read about fucking bullshit to Potopane. No, I don't want to read about that. But I want to read that interspersed with some you know, crazy call. Did you and I not innovate three people back to back to back yeah. one night? Yeah. Every, people want to yeah. read that. Right. Our friends want to read right. that. It, entertaining it, as shit to right. us. I mean, I remember innovating that dude on that bench outside that shithole bar. <laughs> and I was like, didn't we just do this 12 right. minutes ago? And then it became a game. How fast can we dump him off right. at the hospital? And then we went right back out for two and three. That was, and I was like, dude, is this, is this real life? Yeah. Did we just do this? Yeah. Uh, people want to read that because I think right. it's hilarious and it shows the job and it shows the, the humanity side of it. Because, again, it wasn't like – Oh, this fucking overdose. It was like, oh my god, I can't believe we're in a bit. Right. Hey, watch me innovate this guy on the bench. <laughs> but, but it's even even the toe pain. Yeah, nobody wants to read about the toe pain. Right, but you but sandwich I, but I that think, between two calls. But I think the they want to read about that person's emotion. Yeah, that 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 salty ass person that just that just walked in on a dead baby. Yeah, and then had to go go run something else. Go Any other a, call. Go run a toe pain. Go run call. a call. Period. What, what are those emotions yeah. that go through that person's head? How do you flip that switch? From that, from that one call, from from the horrid call to the benign toe pain. Right. And, and <clears throat> to me, what's funny to write about is those conversations that you have with your partner going to that toe pain call right. or the after or describing the nurse's look on, your, on their face when you're like, he's got... Toe pain. I brought you work. High I'm sorry. I, I brought him a high acuity toe pain. You know, uh, so yeah, those things. I like writing about that shit, and I like reading about it. And and then the game ball became something like bigger than I ever thought it. Right. I had people coming up to me, and and the the real joy is when somebody texts me in the middle of the night, or calls me in the middle of the night, and says, "Hey, I just ran a call with, you know, Bob and Ted's fire department." And they were jam up. Right. They just did a wonderful job, man. They did this and they did that. And th this whole call went because of this or, you know, never. Or just, hey, you know, this cop over here, what's his name, man? He's a super nice guy. Man, he helped get the stretcher out. Right. He did. And seriously, like, you, you don't think getting a stretcher out or, or helping push a stretcher is like that big a deal. But when it's just some cop, like... Like, hey, not, I, not I, know, expected. I know how to put the fucking stretcher in right. and out of the truck. And they're proud of that. Right. They're, like, seriously proud of the fact that they know how to do yeah. that. And and somebody calls, and, and when they tell me about somebody else, not necessarily, not necessarily themselves, but somebody else, or and I just, like, hearing things, and p people come up to me and go, like, Man, am I, am I going to get a game ball? Right. Am I going to get a game ball? It's really weird. Like, it's that typical, like, public safety mentality. Like, I need a, I need a reward. Can you right. give me can – I, I mean, everyone always jokes, like, yeah, good job on an IV stick. What do you want, a cookie? Right. No, but could you put my name in the uh, game ball? Right. Can I get a game ball? <laughs> get the, a game ball real quick. The funniest one, and I and I hope he listens to this, uh, Mark Hatcher, the, <laughs> the absolute funniest – and we we ran this. It was a it was a bad call. It was we thought it was a head bleed. I think it ended up being like a tumor, um, but it, presentation was like a head bleed. We were we were a long way from the hospital. Not a good candidate for for RSI. Just the airway did not look like a good candidate for RSI. But needed to secure an airway. I mean, I had a long way to go. Needed to secure an airway. 
uh, I tried a nasal tube and, and, and didn't get it. And, and I, I looked at, at Sergeant Hatcher and I'm like, you're up boss. <laughs> and, uh, you know, nothing like pressure, nothing like pressure. And, uh, man, he did it and, uh, and he got it and he, he was sweating right. and I think he wasn't completely confident at the beginning that he was going to get it, that if I missed it, you know, and I, I've got some pretty decent skills with, with, you know, nasal airways and right. stuff and, and, uh, and he got it, and he just looked at me and was like, I better get a damn game ball tonight. <laughs> and I thought, if fucking Hatcher wants a right. game ball, what is this thing evolved right. into? Right. And and I don't know, man. It's it's some days I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's the danger of it for me is the shit has to come almost natural, and, and, and I can't force it. All right. I was, my next question was, do you, have you gotten to a point where you feel obligated? Yeah. Uh, th- there's some obli- – I feel and, obligated and, to and it. I, and just to hear you say it and what I thought, I hate it. Now I hate it. Uh, um, I hate because now it's, 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 an, it's an external pressure that you don't need. Right. So, um, and, I'm, and I'm really <clears> trying. I'm trying hard. And that's saying I don't want to hate it, and I'm trying not to force it. And, and I can tell you honestly – there is there is one thing and one person that Dean Douglas is the reason. You know, he sent me a message one morning. I had not been doing the game balls. I backed off of it. I was tired of hearing people shit about it. Uh, I was I was I was tired of you know that running that constant fucking gauntlet of is admin going to fucking hammer my ass over this today? <laughs> day the day that they're going to you know drop the hammer on me for this bullshit. Right. And uh, and Dean messaged me. And he goes. Uh, he says, "You okay?" Right, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. How are you? How are you?" And and Dean's one of my daggum heroes. You right. know, he's a guy that he's a guy that just got it, man. When you when people when when you say the word mentor, that name will pop. He, his name will pop up. He's the guy that yeah. just got it. Yeah. He understood he understood people. He understood man, the job. He understood the, the balance. Right. He understood the the goals, the morale, the all, the, all, all that. The, all that. So he's the guy, and he's like, "Yo," and I'm like, "Yeah, you good?" And he's like, "I'm good." He goes, "Yeah." And he yeah. goes, "Man," he goes, "But." And he's literally he's like, man, he goes, you know, he goes, uh, he said, when I'm getting ready in the mornings and stuff, he goes, I read the game ball. Yeah. And uh, and he goes, I'm missing it. I suspect that's the same for a lot of people. And I'm like, you're missing it? Yeah. I said, what do you mean? He goes, man, I'm missing it. He goes, I like hearing those stories. He yeah. said, I love hearing about these people. And he goes, you know, he says, some of the people you mentioned have been students. He said, I know them. I, you know, I've watched them graduate. Some of them are old that, that worked with and worked under him and he goes I, I love it he goes yeah. man he says he goes I'll be sitting in the bathroom and, and getting ready and he's like yelling for Dina to come and man check out what he wrote to this morning <laughs> and and all this and and I'm like seriously he goes listen he goes don't stop that yeah he goes absolutely don't stop that he goes that is he said you may want to go back one day and print all those out and he said it would be like you know, he said, "Coolest coffee cool, table book ever. ever." Right? Coolest he goes, coffee book. He goes, he goes, "Don't stop." Yeah. He goes, "Just don't stop." He goes, "If you don't do it for anybody else, he goes, do it for me." Yeah. And I'm like, "How can you tell a guy that wears a skirt?" <laughs> no. Right. I mean, the guy pipes, and he's the coolest guy in the world. Right. And and a little side note on that: it was really sad adjuncting at the med school this year. Yeah. And telling the student, and I would tell every group that came through. I'm like, because I ask them, I'm like. Who, who's your? I said, who's your favorite? I said, who, who do you like and who, who you don't like in this? And they're like, <laughs> like, you know, I get them. I get them going in there, man. I'm like, I'm like, 
Let me tell you I about. Said, I said, Phil, what are you thinking? Oh, we love Phil. I was like, listen, nobody loves Phil like Phil loves Phil. Phil. I was like, and they laughed. They're like, yeah, that's him. That's him. And I said, I said, Aaron Dix, I said, Southern Baptist preacher in a little Connecticut Jewish boy's body. <laughs> I said, he's just a ball of fucking fire. And I said, he'll turn you on to this shit. I said, man, he, he'll, he'll get you going. Makes man, it sound they, sexy. They, man, they love him. Yeah. And, and they, they start going on. They, you know, now they talk about Anthony. Anthony and Hoxie and, and everybody. Hoxie and yeah. all these people. And I'm like, I'm like, y'all are missing the coolest fucking right. guy ever. I said, he could wear a kilt while riding a motorcycle and playing the bagpipes at the same time and still embrace you with a fucking hug that made you feel so good right. about yourself. And uh, so anyways, so, so Dean, that's the reason I did it. And, I, and so I'm not trying not to force it. Good. Trying not to. Uh, and it has some jab at them. But um, I, I love them. Uh, and I know a ton of people do. And I'll tell you right now that the new kids coming out absolutely look forward to it. Because it's, it's, <clears throat> I think it shows them that people are watching. And it's the important people. It's not the them. It's not even the middle them, the clinical field supervision, or my training officer. I think your training officer should be giving you that feedback. But again, it feels like business. But when other people recognize it, yeah, I think, dude, it, it, that's, the, that's the best thing in the world. Uh, and and my, like I said, recently I've been asking, do you say it to people's faces? Like, are you, are you telling them? I think a lot of that really comes from Dean, uh, where 